Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. My name is Graham, one of the pastors here, and I'm joined by my wife, Leslie. Hello. And we are going to get the service started for you this morning. If this is one of your very first times here, a special welcome to you. We're so excited that you are here. Um, we would love to get to know you better. So if you could drop a comment on Facebook or YouTube or shoot us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca, we would love to connect with you. Mm -hmm. We want to get to know all of you. Uh, yeah. Digital sometimes is a bit of a funny it is. kind of barrier, but even not, like we can connect. There's a lot yeah. of great tools out there. And for everybody joining in, one of the best ways to stay connected and formed between the Sunday stuff, 167 other hours <laughs> in the week, not just this one. Uh, yep. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> YouTube. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter at our website, cedarvalley.ca. And we just, we've got devotional posts on there. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get some good engagement. It just keeps you informed of what's happening, what's coming up, what our culture is about, and uh, dives into the word between our Sunday services each week. Totally. It also gives you a little updates on what's happening. If you're a part of our Awana program or our youth program, sometimes there's special things that are happening throughout the week, and we want you to be informed. Um, this week with Awana, there's a special event happening, so make sure you're getting those emails. If you have any questions of how to connect or what is going on, definitely contact Pastor Doug. We definitely want you to be informed and just a part of everything we're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have a fun thing happening with youth starting after spring break. Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to give a teaser ahead of time. But last year we started doing a little bit of a drop in skate park ministry. Mm -hmm. We have got a great flat parking lot. We have a few covered areas too when it's pouring rain. Yep. The skate park's kind of way across town. So we thought, hey, we're going to pour into that. So we've been making some ramps, rails, things like that. And if you kind of want to, if you do skateboard or scooter or bike, or you want to learn or just hang out, that's going to be happening after spring break on Wednesdays after school, right up until youth group. And then, hey, perfect time to just hang out and continue on with youth group. Yeah. If you guys have been impacted by any of these things that have been happening online, whether it's our worship or prayer on Sunday mornings, make sure you hit that share button so other people that you're connected to can also join us. There's a lot of cool impacts and connections that have mm -hmm. been happening uh, just here in Mission online, but even across the country, across the world even yeah. in wild ways. Really, whoever is on your friend's feed on, if it's Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're sharing these kind of things, uh, it reaches them. And so mm -hmm. it's a great way to just bring the gospel into their lives. Totally. And a huge thing too is uh, while you're at the website, you'll find a lot of different ways that you can give and contribute to <laughs> the ministry and work that's happening here at Cedar Valley Church. And we have been so encouraged and blessed by your ongoing support, mm -hmm. your faithful giving to this kind of stuff. God has been so good to us. Last yeah. year was tremendous for a pandemic, yeah. global pandemic year. And it's amazing the stuff that God was able to do and how faithful he's been for us. Totally. It's really been a cool picture of just how God yeah. provides. Absolutely. And, yeah. and we are excited about where God is leading us next. So mm -hmm. yeah, and a lot of that happens, God working through you with faithful giving and support. So yeah, head over to cedarvalley.ca slash give. You'll find out ways that you can contribute well to this kind of stuff happening. Like you just heard about Awana, youth, yeah. prayer, worship, all this kind of good stuff. For sure. Yeah. So we're going to get the service started in just a couple minutes here. Um, we're going to be led in a time of worship and singing. Yeah, and after that, we've got a special lesson just for the kids from Pastor Doug. Super fun. Mm -hmm. I think there's a bit of a light show going on in it. Ooh, yeah. That's exciting. And uh, for all the parents out there or kids, really, we are sending out interactive materials throughout mm -hmm. the week, uh, stuff that either ties into the lesson or just helps you engage in kind of faith conversations at home. Yeah. And if you want to receive that kind of stuff through email, make sure you just let Pastor Doug know. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's douglas at cedarvalley.ca. Yeah, and following that, we have Pastor Rob, who is bringing the next chapter of John. So we're in chapter eight this week, um, and we've been digging through every chapter of the Gospel of John so far. So we're hoping that you're reading along with us. Um, it's a great time to, yeah, journey through that book. Totally. And if you joined a little bit earlier in our 10 minute countdown before the service got started, you got to find out that today is actually International Flapjack or Pancake Day, because I've it never is. used the word flapjack in my life before. I don't but know that I have either. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're different. Let us know. Maybe I stand yeah. corrected, but I'm calling it pancakes. Maybe we made the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> and we did some fun pancake art there. You know, we wanted to spice it up, threw some food coloring in there, did some drawings. They were very elementary school kind of quality drawings. Actually. You could totally tell what they are though. So that's, that's a win. That's true. So head over to the comment section on Facebook or YouTube and let us know your flapjack or pancake secrets. Maybe you add a certain ingredient. Maybe you um, have a special way of cooking. Yeah, spread the um, knowledge. Yeah, help us out. Maybe we have been doing this wrong the whole time. We're in for a great service this morning, Cedar Valley. Thanks for joining.
Christ alone my hope is found he is my life my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of christ i stand Hey Cedar Valley kids, hey, have you ever been walking around in the dark and you're, you're walking slowly and, and cautiously because you can't see because everything is completely black and you're not really sure where you're going and your hands are out and you're walking cautiously and then, ow! <laughs> 
Um, okay, I need some light. I need to be able to see. Oh, that's better. What a difference it makes when we have light, when we can see. Have you ever been walking and you've stubbed your toe or, or you've stepped on something or maybe banged your knee or, or hit your head because you haven't been able to see where you're going? Because you've been trying to move around in the dark? You know, if there's no light, we can, we can stumble and we can even completely go the wrong way. But if there's light, we can see where we're going and we can go the right way that we know that we're supposed to go. You know, what a difference it makes if you're walking when it's dark or when it's light. You know how you walk when it's really, really dark? You, you, maybe you kind of bend over a little bit and you walk slowly and, and maybe your hand is out cautiously just in case you're going to hit something. Now, what if we were to walk around like that in the daytime, in the daylight? <laughs> People would think we were crazy. You know, there's so many different lights that we have, which is a good thing. Maybe you've got a night light in your room or in the hallway. We've got great lights in the ceiling. There's street lights and headlights on cars to help us see. Flashlights. And, and the biggest light of all, the sun, that lights the whole world. But I want to tell you about the greatest light of all. Check this out. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, and you know what? Jesus said a lot of amazing things. And this is one of them. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. How cool is that? We won't have to walk in the darkness and, and stumble and bump into things and, and get things wrong and, and not be able to see where we're going because Jesus says, I'm the light. He's the light. And if we follow him, we will see. And we will have the light that leads to life. How cool is that? The light of Jesus will show us what is true, the things that are right, and the light will guide us to heaven. Now, I want you to see something here. What I've got here is a glass of water and a light. Now, let's just pretend for a moment that this is us. You and me, just kind of regular water. And this light is Jesus. What happens when we turn on the light of Jesus? <laughs> Did you see that? Isn't that amazing? When the light of Jesus is on us, we change. We're different. It's like, it's like we're glowing. Isn't that incredible? When we believe in Jesus and when we follow him, that light shows us the way to go, to do right, to understand what is true, leads us to heaven, but it also changes who we are and what people see. Now, the light of Jesus Almost kind of like it makes us glow, doesn't it? Now, others, people can see Jesus because his light is in us. That's, that's like the coolest thing ever, isn't it? You know, Jesus' light, when it shines on us and we believe in him, then we become that light for others to see. You know, Pastor Robin, in just a moment, he's going to be preaching about some men whose hearts were filled with darkness. You know, and that's where Jesus' light shines, is, is within our hearts. And because their hearts were so dark, they couldn't even see the right thing to do. So Jesus had to tell them what was right. But if we believe in Jesus and follow him, that light his light 
will make all that difference in our life. So don't forget, Jesus said, I am the light of the world for all of us. Now, parents, if you haven't been receiving our Sunday morning live stream Cedar Valley Kids activity pages, or if you haven't been receiving the weekly Faith at Home emails, and you'd like to receive those, please just send us a note. You can contact me at, at douglas at cedarvalley.ca, and we'll make sure we get those to you right away. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Cedar Valley. Goodness, goodness. Well, I can't even say good to see you again. Good to be seen by you again. I hope you're doing well. Uh, we are in a series called The One and Only in John chapter 8, and the, uh, the placeholder name for this particular teaching is Second Chances. So let's get into it. I remember um, that missing verse back in John chapter 5, how we talked about it as not being in the earliest of Bible manuscripts, so it wasn't included in some of our Bible versions. Well, we are at it again this morning, but this time it's a whole story, and that story is located specifically in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. So please turn in your Bibles to that if you would. Like that missing verse in John chapter 5, this story uh, wasn't copied into the earliest of Bible manuscripts. Not to worry though, my friends. There's lots of good reasons that it made the cut into scriptures. It can be traced back to early mentions by church leaders around AD 100. The later manuscripts and medieval manuscripts all have it. And Latin fathers of the church knew it, and they talked about it openly. And I might add, from a personal point of view, it's such a Jesus-like story about Jesus. So, why is it missing in some Bibles and in parentheses, as it is in one of my Bibles, in others? I don't want to spend too much time on this, because it's, it's a bit dry, it's a bit Bible nerdy, but some have speculated, beyond what I've already said here, that it was a, if you can believe this, it was a little too scandalous for the early church, a little racy, that it was a dangerous story. And so it was just cut out. It was omitted. Why? Because the first century Christian church was, as one writer puts it, a little island in a sea of paganism. Which is to say, the content of this story, so goes the theory anyway, might tempt some people to relapse into their former lives of sexual debauchery. There's a word I don't use a lot, so it's nice to sort of fit that in. Especially if they think that Jesus is soft on sin based on their reading of this story. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. So let's go. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible this morning and beginning at verse 2, at dawn Jesus appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach. At dawn? A sunrise? Small group? Like every, like, that's commitment, my friends. While these people were meeting, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, like you do for church, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, and they no doubt said that with a great deal of sarcasm, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. What's that now? This woman was caught? That's like passive language for we set her up. Someone or someone's worse watching two people having sex to confirm the act because that's what the law would have required. Shaming her publicly, letting the man go. This was a scandalous story indeed for a, a whole pile of reasons actually. So this group 
had gathered around Jesus in this open outdoor courtyard to hear him teach. These religious leaders brought this case to Jesus because, why? He's a rabbi, and rabbis settle these issues. But the matter was plain. The Pharisees were actually correct according to the Jewish law that this woman was liable to death by stoning. So in verse 5, they say that in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women, though they conveniently left out those parts in that same law about what should happen to the man caught in the same act, like he too should be stoned or strangulated, so says the Jewish codified law, the Mishnah. The Mishnah is actually really brutal on this. It says the man is to be enclosed, catch this, enclosed in dung, poop up to his knees, and a soft towel set within a rough towel is to be placed around his neck. Then one man draws in one direction and another in another direction until he be dead. These people took adultery very seriously. Now, verses 5 and 6. What do you say? The Jewish leaders asked Jesus. They were using this. This is nice. When the Bible makes a commentary on its own of itself, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. They were abusing their authority, and they were using this woman. These Pharisees and teachers of the law were like, like moral watchdogs, trained to spot sin and sitter and tear them apart with judgment and condemnation. But what kind of authority is that? It seems to me and to others that the first act of authority is to try to understand why people do what they do. And the second act is to try to reclaim the wrongdoer, to heal her, not just to punish her or drive her to despair or worse, drive her out of community. Which leads me to ask, how do we handle people caught in sin? Are we judgmental and punishing? Or are we curious and compassionate? How do we handle our spouses when they say or do something that hurts us? How do we handle our kids when they do something wrong? How do we handle a friend who's broken our trust? As tools to make our points or to justify our behaviors, because that's exactly what these religious leaders did. It's extremely unlikely that they even knew the name of this woman. To them, she was nothing more than an instrument by which they could draw Jesus into a conflict. Do we do this? Do we see some people in our lives, especially those whom we've had some kind of authority over from time to time, as means to our ends, as tools to get ministry done, if you're a ministry leader like me, as helper to cook meals or mow the lawn, if you're married, as parents to order about your biological minions to fetch this and to clean that and to generally exist to do your bidding? Or worse, do we act like moral watchdogs, pointing out the sins and weaknesses of others and ripping into them without really much thought about our own sin and weakness? God uses his authority to love men into goodness says William Barclay. And so, working with God to become more and more like his son, we too should strive to love people into goodness. Here was Jesus' dilemma. If he had said the woman should be stoned to death, then he'd run into at least two problems. The first of which would be, it would call into question his reputation for love and mercy, his moniker as a friend of sinners. And then secondly, it would thrust him immediately into a head-on collision with Roman law because the Jews had no authority to pass or to carry out a death sentence on anyone. If he said the woman shouldn't be stoned to death, then he'd run into at least two other problems. The first of which being that he would be accused of teaching men 
to break the law of Moses, to he'd be teaching him to break the law. And then secondly, that he would be okay, maybe even supportive of adultery. So the scene was set, very tense, very dramatic, and very suspenseful. Then Jesus heightened the suspense in verse 6c. He bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Giving himself the time to think about his response? I ignoring the accusers so that they would need to repeat the charges out loud and hear the cruelty and malice in their voices? Embarrassed by this scandal? Maybe Jesus looking down because his heart was so broken that he had to hide his eyes? Like, these are some of the speculations about what he was writing and why he was doing it. Or maybe, and this is, I mean, this is not definitive, we're all sort of speculating here. Jesus was sitting in the, on the ground and he's writing in the dirt the sins of the very men who were accusing the woman. It's actually a good guess because of the Greek word used here for the word writing. That word is the word katagraphine, graphene, graphic writing, which means to write down a record against someone, which is really specific and different from what would have been the normal Greek word used to describe writing, which would have been just graphene. So, just so you know. Whatever the case, the religious leaders got their answer. When they kept on questioning him, this is verses 7 and 8 now, Jesus straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Brilliant. Since he spoke about throwing a stone, he couldn't be accused of not upholding the law of Moses. But the qualification he gave for throwing that stone actually disqualified anyone from being able to throw one. And they knew it, actually. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there, still standing there. Would Jesus now shame her privately when the religious leaders tried to shame her publicly? Would he too condemn her? Let's see. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I know that it might sound like Jesus was using a fairly generic term to address her by calling her woman, but in his culture at that time to this woman who had just been entrapped and humiliated, it was a term of compassion and equality and respect and warmth. Just as he used it to address his mother in chapter 2 at the wedding, just as he used it to address the woman at the well in chapter 4, and just as he used it to address his mother and John, the gospel writer, when he was pinned to the cross, Jesus, looking down at them, says in John chapter 19, verse 27, Dear woman, here is your son, referring to John, and to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother because Jesus was concerned for his mother's care. From that time on, the scripture goes on to say, the disciple took her into his home. Verse 11, chapter 8, No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Unlike the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, Jesus didn't abuse his authority, nor did he dismiss her humanity. He was compassionate, he forgave her, and he urged her towards a better way of living, just as he does with all of us. Like God, because he is God, Jesus uses his authority to love men and women into goodness. Can you imagine making such a mistake and being met with compassion and curiosity as opposed to judgment and punishment. Can we do this for each other?
the way of Jesus is to lead with compassion, to slow down and de-escalate, to see a person's humanity, to forgive and offer a second chance to point to a better way, to extend to others the same compassion and understanding and encouragement that we wish people would extend to us when we make our mistakes. My mind is a fairly busy space located on a highway connected to my mouth. I can sometimes, for fear of forgetting the most excellent, maybe, point I want to make in a given conversation, I can interrupt others or flat out talk over them. It's not my most endearing quality, for sure. I did both to a friend recently, interrupt and talk over him. I, I guess I was pretty amped at the time. But not so disassociated from the moment that I didn't see the look on his face, the look that says, when will it be my turn to speak? And the other look that says, wow, you sure removed the burden of conversation by speaking for both of us. So seeing his face, slowing it down to think about it, imagining how it felt for him at that time, I later apologized and asked him for his forgiveness. Because he wasn't interested in judging me or punishing me, he forgave me. That is the way of Jesus on both sides of the coin. It would be easy to think that Jesus is soft on sin based on this story, but that would not be correct. He didn't say, you know that adultery thing? Don't worry about it. Instead, he challenged her to what? Leave her life of sin. To leave that way of life. Think about what that life of sin would mean. That life that trades sex for love, that is self-demeaning and leaves her self-loathing, that hurts her and the man she sleeps with, corrupting both of their hearts against what is better. It's, it's a mistake. Let's end with an exercise. I'd like you to place yourself in the scene. So, who are you is the question I'll ask you. Are you the woman entrapped and humiliated by your sin and by those who point it out, but forgiven in the end? By the one and only Jesus, the compassionate one, who sees you in your humanity, offers you a second chance, and urges you to live a better way. Are you the woman? Are you a teacher of the law or one of the Pharisees, looking for and judging the sin in others and condemning them for it, maybe even using them to make a point like, well, that's the problem with church these days, or to justify a destructive behavior of your own, like, at least I'm not as bad as that woman. Are you a teacher of the law or one of the Pharisees? Are you someone in that crowd with a stone in their hand, caught up in the drama of the scene, wanting to save face with the leaders around you, but then caught up in looking at your own sin and realizing that you are just as loaded with sin as she is. Are you a stone thrower? Are you like Jesus? Calling sin, sin. In yourself and in others, gracious with both, right? Yet pushing yourself and others to a better way of living? Those are trick questions, of course, because we are all of these at different times, behaving in these ways, even as followers of Jesus Christ. I sin. I need forgiveness and healing from Jesus and from others. I need his grace and the grace of others. I need to be seen as more than my sin. I need second chances and third and fourth I need someone to challenge me to live differently than to live with my sin. I need to not feel condemned, as Amanda has posterized on our graffiti wall. I can be judgy without being compassionate or curious, without getting underneath what is driving people's behavior. I can prejudge. I can judge others before getting to know them better or getting more information. As a follower of Jesus, I need to stay on top of this and change this and ask forgiveness when I have acted 
too much like a religious elitist and not enough like Jesus Christ. I can, I can, I can see people as a means to an end for ministry as a pastor. When I'm task-focused or tired or discouraged, telling myself that I'm equipping or giving them a chance to use their gifts in service of Jesus. And when I'm at my best, this is the case actually, but it is often in service of me. When I forget that they are people too with their own tasks and tiredness and discouragement. I'm just being real here. I can throw a stone as quick as the next guy, wind up my arm to chuck it with the best of them, all while I completely look the other way on my own sin. To paraphrase another gospel writer, I need to deal with the plank in my eye before I can help someone with the speck in theirs. And I can be like Jesus sometimes, listening well, being curious and compassionate, putting someone's behavior in the context of their story, forgiving them if they need my forgiveness, and challenge them to live differently. Maybe even loving them into goodness. Let's close in prayer, and before I do, I'll just remind you that we're going to, Grant and I, do a little riffing on two different questions that we'll put before you for your own discussion and reflection, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let me pray. Father, I love this story. Love this story, because I need this story to be true. I, 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 um, I know I'm forgiven, and I, yet I know I sin regularly. I choose and want to choose often a better way of living than I find myself in when I make mistakes and do destructive things to me and to others, what the Bible would call sin. So in Christ, I am oh, relieved that he sees it, calls it what it is, almost like a surgeon pulling the poison out, pulling the ailment out and asking me to choose better, live better, for my sake, forgiven, but called to a better way of living. I pray that we would um, see that for ourselves, maybe even afresh today, say, Jesus, thank you for saving, for healing, for redeeming, uh, for making me whole, for bringing me into right relationship with the Father of heaven and earth who gave me my life in the first place. And maybe if we're just checking out this whole Jesus story, we are like, what a guy. What do I do with this? Well, I would urge you to keep exploring, keep asking questions. And then someday maybe just saying, I want that too. I need that too. In his name, in Jesus' name, in the Savior's name, in the one who loves us and heals us, in the one who does not condemn us, we pray. Amen. Peace, Cedar Valley. All right. Hey, thanks, Cedar Valley, for yeah. Yeah, being with us this morning. Thank you, Rob, for another great message. Oh, and yeah. I love that story. Yeah, yeah. It, it lined up for you. I think you even said when we were first planning this out like uh, a couple months ago, yeah. you're like, yes, chapter eight. <laughs> Yeah. I get chapter eight. Wow. Uh, Who knew? Well, the Gospel of John is just like, is just one after another. I mean, even last week, uh, Pastor Doug brought us through what like, could be kind of a bit of a weird story, but it's, it's full of great stuff, right? At yeah. first, like this tap, mosaic tapestry, whatever, yeah. of amazing stories. It's not just a synopsis. It's really bringing the heart of Jesus, the one and only, is why we're calling it this. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Love that. We have some questions to break out here. Yeah. Are you ready? I am. I'll okay. do my best. <laughs> okay. So the first of them is, what is it? that you most appreciate about Jesus in this story today. Right. What do you think? Oh, I'm just just listening uh, with you, preaching and behind the camera, is this sense that, I mean, it's, it's a complete disruption. Like a lot of the Gospel of John is just showing that Jesus is coming in fully fulfilling all of the prophecies and expectations mm. of God interacting with Israel, but disrupting everything that the people thought it would look like. <laughs> And here's the biggest thing for me that I think is wild about this scene is 
this is one of those stories I think that we take in as even in just like the secular idea of Jesus. He's a good guy and he's forgiving. He's letting all go. Yeah. And what we've taken almost is this like progressive, which has a good heart behind it, this forgiving, gracious, built attitude. Yeah. But suddenly now there's this uh, like retaliation effort, I think that comes up in a world a lot where it's like, okay, there's these people who are trying to accuse and it was dirty. Like what these people are trying to do to this yeah. woman called adultery. Like yeah, they were being brutal. snaky. Yeah. But Jesus didn't throw the punishment on them either. Oh, I never, I never thought about right? that. That's like, a great point. Because that's what I think we're doing a lot in our world. Like, that. Oh, hey, you dirty snake. Like, you were trying to do this, and we're going <laughs> to crush you. Like, that yeah. happens all the time in our world right now. Right. But instead, so Jesus said, like, I forgive you, and you guys, like, I'm going to teach you, and you're going to feel this. But yeah. they walked away, right? They yeah. walked away, not stoned themselves. Yeah. They walked away, though. That's so good. Heart changed. Yeah, and, and, and which is in your own human interaction, it's better for yeah. that to happen that way instead of me trying to argue you into a change or, yeah. or browbeat or guilt or shame you into a change for it to come yeah. out of this conviction. Oh, there's a way of doing something better. That comes from the spirit of God within you. If you're a believer, totally. that's, wow, what a better way. Yeah. See, that's a, I'd never thought about this. That's why this is so cool, actually. We are actually, this is an unscripted, as you know, this is the kind of conversation that you can have in small group or family or friends. It's fantastic. Mm. For me, it's really easy. I crafted the question so I knew how I was going to answer it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, it's just the genius. It's the brilliance of Jesus mm. in that moment. It reminded me very much of the Solomon story where he, he has the two mothers and he suggests mm. cutting the baby in half. And the real mother says, don't do that. And he knew immediately that's the mom, right? right? Because how would I, you know, yeah. mom end that child's life. Well, and you have, you have the religious academic elites in this scene. This isn't yep. just some who cares or whatever, right? Like you're taking on the thinkers of the world yeah. at this point, And Jesus has a statement that shuts them up. Yeah. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And just, it's so Jedi, Jesus. In that moment, <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. And the moment, just, it, all the gravity gets sucked out of that moment. He just, I'll get back to you. Give me a second. <laughs> And he, I, oh, I, I, I adore him. Like, right. that, that moment embodies so much for me about what I appreciate about him. Hmm. Let's go to the second question. All right. Because we only got like, what, five minutes, maybe less. Uh, or a lot of film in the camera. So. Okay, perfect. The second question then is, what characters are you most often like in this story? And then based on that, uh, okay, I'm more like this, person. what changes might you need to make? Mm. That's, we're up in the grill now again. Well, and remind me, because you categorize it really nice in your message there, the, of the characters we've got. Uh... So we have the woman. Okay. We have the religious leaders. We have the stone throwers. Mm. And we have Jesus himself. Right, okay. Okay, what yeah. do you think? Well, here's a question. Hopefully this doesn't throw you too much on the spot. It I, might. I wonder. Let's find out. Historical context. <laughs> if something like this was happening, there yeah. was a judgment, uh, trial, however that happened, uh, stoning was about to happen for execution. Yep. Is that like, would people, the bystanders have been invited in? Like, hey, all right, come on, like be, take part of this. Or was there like a selected people who would have? Well, that's a good question. Like, I don't yeah. know that, but Diamond. the story seems to facilitate the crowd's participation. Sure, okay. Um, so I don't know technically yeah. how that would have gone down. But no, we'll dive into some Either way. Good stuff to learn. Not hey, a good scene. Search that up to you, hit some yeah. Google with that. Give us a call. Because I, why I wonder that is I, I'm thinking through those things in, in different contexts right now, like so much is online. This whole past year, everything's been online. And then I, I go into, man, if you want to like lose your faith in humanity, hit the YouTube comment section of any video, <laughs> yeah. especially if it has to do with religion or life, help, yeah. anything like that, right? And yeah. uh, I feel sometimes like a bit of a bystander on that. And I always get these thoughts and like, oh man, I want to throw some rocks in on that situation to just right. getting in on it and whatever yes. the thing is, right? I'm not even looking at the sin or the heart of whatever's mm -hmm. happening. I've forgotten Jesus's idea of being patient and slow to anger, but as a bit of a bystander. So I, I, I don't almost probably would be one of the stone throwers. Yeah. I think I find myself too often, but almost more passively. So I'm thinking when I think like, I like this, you added here, what changes do I need to make? Yes. I want to have the heart of Jesus yep. that can't just be doing nothing. Right. Like you just said, he has some wisdom. So I need to actually have a bit more action, like love and action in those situations. Yep. Yeah. Because you don't want to enter the fray with the same kind of negative, polarizing talk, right? Yeah. yeah Whether it's on YouTube way. or Facebook or Instagram, whatever yeah. your social media platforms are, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. This isn't a quiet conversation you're having with somebody. It's, it's public. Yeah. 
And yet, you also want to contribute meaningfully with something positive, encouraging, pushing people to a better way of living, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And standing, being a bystander, uh, I can, yeah, I can see that, eh? Yeah. That'd be tricky. Yeah, sometimes that feels like that's the pacifist kind of way. It's like, oh, just do nothing. But you right. kind of end up missing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we got to speak. Sometimes we shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's really easy. It's the judgy piece. Um, mm. well, that's human nature, but it's my nature, I think, to like go, oh, and why did they, oh, that, you know, and, and, and come up with some derogatory thing. So it's a constant battle, yeah, right, yeah. To, yeah. to filter that because it's not helpful. But, well, uh, the Bible talks about what comes out of your mouth is coming from your heart, right? right. So I got to check my, why is, why, why does that come so easily and quickly, so, hmm. so often, actually? That's what I need to change. And so I, I think the kinds of things that help those kinds of changes is practicing that. So guarding your heart against that kind of judgment, asking why you feel that way, what's going on in you that it's producing that, mm. asking questions, getting curious about that person, being compassionate. But then really, in the, not in the end, for me, it's remembering a story like this is Jesus. Mm. A story like this is Jesus inspires me to be a better man. Right. Right? It's like, oh, what would the one who's the one and only who loves me, what would he do? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus that, do? Oh, that's so That's too bad. But yeah. that's, that's okay. It's it's a good question to ask. We're gonna throw these questions up on the screen for you. You can write them down. You can pause it. Whatever. Engage in these dialogues, whether it's just with somebody you're at home with, or phone up a friend. For sure. Uh, hit up a Zoom call if you've got a small group kind of thing going, or even just chat in the comments there, because these are good things to just dialogue about. Uh, apply to your own life. Yeah, and week. if I can say something else yeah. about that too, give us a shout. Yeah. Right. Or if you if you if if you enter the chat and, and we end the uh, the stream yeah. and your question has been answered or you have you know thoughts that you, oh you're wishing somebody responded to, send those our way too. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Cedar Valley. We'll see you next week. See you, Cedar Valley. <laughs>